I'm Dale. And I'm Clinton. And this is us presenting from the Alcorn Group offices on the 8th of October, 2019. So yeah, okay, well tell me a bit about ab abstraction. What does abstraction mean? What does it mean in the context of technology? Well, I was thinking of taking a network-centric view of abstraction, so... Perfect. But before I get into network specifically, let's go with a more concrete test case. Um, how much do you know of how the postal system works? A decent amount. Yeah. A moderate amount. And how much would you say the average person would know about how the email gets from point A to point B? <laughs> Even less. <laughs> so, I mean, this is the point of an abstraction. You end up building up a model where you only have to pay attention to the things you want to pay attention to, things like your destination address for an email or a mm. regular letter. Yeah, yeah. And you hide all of the complexity down into other layers of abstraction. Mm. Um, this is very heavily um, focused on in networking yep. with things like your OSI, um, Open Systems Interconnect, I think, model I think so. and um, your TCP IP model. Mm -hmm. These stacks of abstraction hide different layers of complexity further into their structure. Mm. So if we're talking networking, you've got things like dealing with getting your data onto the physical wire, mm. or if it's uh, fiber optic, turning stuff into impulses of light, mm. or if it's radio, dealing with transmitting radio waves down at your very lowest level, down at your physical mm. type level of your abstraction. And then you can start to build things on top of that. Um, if you're in a collision domain where multiple people are using the same medium mm. and can hear each other, what do you do when two people try to talk at the same time? Mm, okay. Um, so before you go into details of sort of like implementations and that kind of thing, yeah. so what would you say would be the driving reason for why abstraction came about, in your opinion? It's... Mm, Big part of it is for being able to focus just on the things that matter at any given time. Mm. So yes, we can solve some of these problems with getting data onto the wire, but for my application, maybe it only cares that it gets information from some server and that it's getting that information in order and from the correct address. Mm. Mm. Then you'll pick <coughs> an abstraction that will um, give you those properties of your connection mm. without you having to do it in your own code. Mm. Um, so in this case, something like TCP uh, that gives you some of that, those guarantees of ordering mm. and like reliability, it'll retransmit if something's dropped. Mm. Whereas other protocols, other applications, you may choose to use something that's less reliable because you want to have more control over the communication stream itself. Yeah, okay. Take something like VoIP or um, video mm. conferencing. Yeah, right. So it's sort of an instance of where, like, say, I'm trying to build an application. I don't need to know how to write TCP protocols or whatever. You know, as an example, I, need to, I don't need to learn how that communicates. I can just say, cool, I can build on top of something that already exists. I just pass it down the stack. I say, cool, here's my data. Can you just deal with it kind of thing? Yeah. And 
starting to know these abstractions really comes becomes more important when you are doing more analysis and mm. um, trying to pull apart network traffic say we're doing an assessment of an application and we want to see how it's talking on the wire mm. we'll possibly capture a wire shark um, or a pcap file of all of the network traffic from that application Mm. and then be able to start digging into how it's doing its communication. Mm, okay. Um, Can you give an example of just like, um, let's just say, not the full OSI model, because that's quite extensive, but just an example of covering a couple that would show extraction, uh, sorry, abstraction? So I've already talked about the physical layer where you're worrying about how you physically get your signal, whatever form it takes, be it light, electricity, mm. radio waves, from one node on your network to another yeah yeah then on top of that you've got how you represent your ones and zeros into that format mm. so take uh, a fiber optic cable you're representing your ones and zeros as impulses of light there's mm. a fairly straightforward translation there but you take something like a dial-up modem mm. and you're suddenly dealing with a scheme where you're converting your ones and zeros into combinations of different uh, audio frequencies. Mm. And it's not necessarily just two audio frequencies that you're switching between. Yeah. Um, if you take anything above, I think, a, a 600 board modem and you're suddenly dealing with three, four or more frequencies that your modem is hopping between mm. in order to fit as much data as it can over that connection without having to, um, well, without dealing with some of the additional noise you could get if you try to make your, just the frequency of your communication mm. faster. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, that's probably it for abstraction. We can hit on some other networking topics later, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. But um, just as a first touch point. So, Dale, um, you had the idea of outcomes versus output. Mm. And that those are two separate concepts that can be confused confused and sometimes contrary in a lot of ways because okay. ultimately like as consultants we're there to do a job to deliver something right and that's where we come down to outcomes versus output so a very simplistic example of that is an output is in a report we deliver a report that says we did a pen test we found these things xyz with these limitations right but an outcome is a lot more abstract and this is where the output for a lot of clients doesn't really matter as much as the outcome so the outcome for example for that instance varies wildly right so we might have a client who's like great we want um we're gonna get a pen test done we want to pen test this um new web application we've got right push it to production we want to get a pen tested to see what's hanging off it we do a pen test they might be looking for and actually, like the, just as a couple of small examples, I could be looking for a compliance check. It could just be a, hey, my boss told me I have to get a pen test. I'm not gonna look at the report unless it has highs or criticals. I'm just ticking a box. It might be more of our security conscious clients who are saying, well, I'm actually interested to know what you could do with this. I have X, Y, Z concerns around authorization, around injection, around this kind of thing. I wanna see a hacker given access what they could actually do with this 
and that's what they hire us for. And then you might have someone, uh, there's a, the sort of the more edge case, but a, a totally a possibility as well as someone's using it to, as a political tool in sort of the organization. So they're saying either they want to get rid of the application or they want to replace it or they want to scrap it entirely or something, something along those lines. So what they're looking for is someone to come in and trash it just to prove it's as bad as they already know it is. Because a lot of clients internally don't have the same amount of sway as a neutral third party in quotation marks. Um, so they go out to get a pen test to say, hey, take to the manager, look, Alcorn Group's amazing, great at things. They said it's broken the ways that I've been saying for the past six months. Can we get rid of it? Yeah, so are there any um, scenarios where it might be a more extreme disjoint between those two, where not only is it a different result that they're looking for, but realistically it should be a, a completely different report or even type of test? Definitely, like that's why um, why I like to think about the outcomes versus output in engagements because people ask for a pen test, but they don't really know what a pen test is and they don't really know what they want, right? It's like everyone's, we're all playing this guessing game of, okay, cool, you want a pen test, I know what I think a pen test is, and you know what you think you're gonna get as a part of that pen test. Well, we know what we define a pen test as. Exactly. I mean, with reference to certain standards and so on, of but how do they envision that fitting into their end game? And a classic, I think a classic disparate example right there would be, um, you have some people whose perception of a pen test is very much aligned to the Crest methodology, which is coverage, right? So we wanna mm -hmm. go through the web app, we wanna test every little bit of it, just to get an idea of where it might be broken so you can get this awareness. But then you might have more leaning towards the OSCP methodology of, great, I, wanna, I want you to get a shell on this box. That's what I want you to do. I wanna see what, how far you can actually get. And that's a classic version of that. The output is technically the same, it's a report, but the outcome is wildly different, right? Like we don't chase rabbit holes intentionally because we wanna get that coverage, we wanna make sure we've found all the potential holes as opposed to made sure one hole isn't actually a hole. So, so you get into what sort of methodology we use to produce that report, whether yeah. we went um, breadth first to get the coverage or depth first to can you pop this box. Yeah, and that's where it comes down to the client will ask for a pen test, but what they actually want might not be our definition of a pen test or their definition of a pen test or what might actually be there. So that's why it's like um, a lot of the consulting I did at my last job is sitting there and talking through requirements to say, okay, well, you want X, why do you want X? And actually like not questioning it, but understanding the, the, the heart of it. Because then they might say, oh, you know, I actually, I want a web app because I'm concerned and this is a crazy example, but someone who's really non-technically savvy, they're like, great, I want you to penetrate my web application. And what they're actually meaning is they want to know if the underlying infrastructure is the problem. They're like, so we might, you know, they might say, cool, I want a pen test on, you know, their website, examplecompany.com. Realistically, they're more thinking what they're trying to solve is a problem of we've got this external asset and I don't know how vulnerable it is, which is in part a web app, but it's also in part the infrastructure sitting on. Like, what other things are open on that, on that box? Is it, is it, are you, uh, virtual hosting this with a few other things like what's what's in the machine other than the web app um, so it's that's where it comes out to those requirements and then it gives you the opportunity to say hey look you've you've bought a but you actually need b let's find that middle ground and then you might have a pen test that's caveated completely almost everything to hell but they're still happy i mean we've seen that you see uh clients who they come and they buy a red team assessment but yeah. then all of a sudden you get caveats that mean you, you can't 
um, approach, walk near, even look at the building, and <laughs> all of a sudden, there's you've got a shell of a test that all of the content is caveated out of. Exactly, uh, and, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Like if it's the outcome a client's looking for, they're happy, we're happy, but it's good to know those kind of things, right? And, and those sort of things could be red flags that come up early too to identify some of this mismatch. Yeah, and we can talk to a bit of that um, in another one around like BD and sort of the pressures they work under and how they get to that point. Um, but it is, it's tough to get that information early. Uh, especially when you don't know what you're looking for, right? Because obviously we do the day-to-day -day stuff, we do the, the pen testing, we know what, what to ask. Um, but so it's kind of, those red flags can be raised anywhere from BD through to scheduling, through delivery kind of stuff. So they come up, it's just a big case of identifying them. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Well, it's definitely an interesting topic. I think we'll delve into some of the nuances later on. Mm, there's a lot of ways to avoid it. And I think like the, there's, there's some very simple things that can be done on most engagements and red flags that I look for that you can immediately tell when there's a dissonance. So if the client's saying one thing and you're like, wait, that doesn't match to my understanding of what we do. It gives you that, that um, like tripwire almost to say, hold on, let me just quickly deal with this. Like, hey, sorry, you're asking for this. That's not what, is this what you want? And you can solve it on day one as opposed to, you know, day four, five, 10, 20, or anything yeah, like that. And, and all of a sudden you're eating into billable time on something that they're not actually asking you for. Exactly, and then you, you just avoid that potential problem of like, hey, what, what do you mean you spent a day testing this? I'm not actually interested in that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's where having such a, a rich um, BD team upstairs and having collaboration mm. between uh, the BD team and the uh, testing team um, really comes into its own to make sure that we're hitting those objectives. Yeah, like that's why I've always been keen for like, it's a 360 degree approach of it's not just a team pass it to another team, pass it to another team. It's, it, we're all the same team, just a little bit doing different parts of the engagement. Yep. Hmm. You almost you almost could use a, a really, maybe a stretched analogy, but all, you're almost dealing with the term pen test is one of your layers of abstraction, but the, you, you've got Actually, two yeah. people using different versions of it and yeah. you know, end up with this mismatch that that's actually a really good good point because that, that's exactly what we but do, right? That might be a topic for later. As soon as we started getting into that, yeah, that's it reminded me of some stuff about um, uh, essentially language study mm. and and what what I've heard referred to as um, a mismatch of past trees mm. so if you have like an implementation of something in one language over here and someone else has implemented it over there yeah but there's some edge case where the two um different implementations pr mm. act differently yeah yeah and it, it's very possible as well like i mean you, you, there's lots of meanings of words that have so i just wanted to just double check there was nothing yeah it didn't pop up um there was there's a lot of definitions that are culturally based as well um, like I can't think of a good example right now but it might be something that we use as a word that its base word means X but then we use it to mean Y in our culture and then the base word might be the same somewhere else but then they have their own cultural thing and then you're literally talking about two completely different things with the and, same word and that doesn't have to be a um, a, a, a locus type culture mm. issue it could be just a workplace culture 
that this yeah, the, yeah. The, this shop calls a pen test X and you call it Y. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we bought it from them last year. We bought it from you this year, but we got a di- completely different product. Yeah. And yeah, definitely. 